Welcome to episode 93 of the Ask Chief Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be discussing grip strength for deadlifts, winging scapula, repeat injuries, and our thoughts on EMS training. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 93. Uh, this time we're not holding Kendrick in any way. He's actually um, kind of like off to the side in his little like carrier thing, um, fast asleep. But that could change at any moment. It could so change we'll in see. Any instant. <laughs> <laughs> this has been definitely an exercise in terms of just being flexible with whatever might happen. Yeah. Because it's easy to get frustrated by you know things not going exactly our way, and obviously things aren't going to go exactly our way. So I think it's been good for us. Gotta roll with the punches. Good, uh, yeah. Good. Good learning evolution that's happening. Yes, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, this may be our only one this week because it's Thanksgiving week. Oh, um, that's true. Unless we can squeeze one in before we leave. We're heading to the Cape, um, Cape Cod, which yeah. is where my aunt and uncle live and where my family always goes for Thanksgiving. This will be Kendrick's first car trip over, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes or so. Well, so. Yeah, and his first overnight somewhere else, which is a big oh, deal. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. We usually go to New York also for Christmas Day. Um, and that's a four or five hour trip, obviously. So, um, we might have to postpone that this year and maybe do that next year, but who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we're going to see how, how things go in the next month and yeah. figure it out from there. It, everything could change. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything new happened this past weekend? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, everything was pretty, pretty normal, actually. Nothing really crazy. Yeah, cool. All right, let's move on to the questions. All right, cool. <laughs> so we're going to start with one from I Me You E. <laughs> That's definitely not how you say it, um, but close enough. So he said, hi, I saw your recent post about deadlifts, and I think it's really helpful for me. Another concern I have, though, is that my fingers slash hands and forearm tend to tire out fast, maybe just by the first set, causing me to lose my grip on my succeeding sets. Any advice on that? Thanks. Cool. Lauren, do you have any advice on that? Um, I sure do. <laughs> uh, so definitely, I mean, obviously this is just a, a grip issue. Um, and so what we would recommend is doing some accessory grip work mm-hmm. for sure. So things like farmer's carries would probably be your best bet because it's going to s- s- simulate, like, simulate? simulate <laughs> the same um, sort of like muscle contraction that you need for holding onto the barbell. So you can just grab two heavy dumbbells or two heavy kettlebells, hold them by your sides and just walk around with them and just work on increasing the amount of time that you can hold the same amount of weight or eventually increasing the amount of weight that you can hold. Yeah. Speaking of kettlebells, um, just kettlebell training alone has a lot of positive impacts on your grip just because it is so grip intensive while you are swinging them and doing cleans and stuff like that. You have to keep a relatively tight grip in order to not lose sight of the bell or not lose the bell. Um, so kettlebell training, I think for me has been the, the biggest thing for my grip strength in terms of improving it overall. Yeah. Would you definitely. agree with that as well? I, t- I totally agree with that. Yeah. Cause I remember when we first started using kettlebells, like our forearms would be toast, yeah. like absolutely toast. And now I can't remember the last time that my forearms like cramped or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Um, but it used to happen all the time and it would happen with deadlifts and it would happen with pull-ups. But now after incorporating a lot more kettlebells, it really doesn't Yeah. And happen, so what so. I think often happens, especially with grip strength, is people's lower bodies end up getting stronger at a faster rate than their grip can keep up. And when that happens, you get excited and you're like, okay, this felt pretty easy because my legs were so just so much stronger than they were the week before or the month before or whatever. And you keep accelerating um, the weight on the bar. And then at a certain point, 
your grip ends up giving out, whereas your legs can handle a lot more of the work. So I think in terms of programming, if you can spend a lot more time with a lot more sub-maximal work, sub-maximal um, effort and weights in order to build up a lot of volume and let your grip strength and your forearm strength just catch up. So just make sure that you're not jumping towards 85%, 90% and above um, too often, too quickly, um, and let yourself build some time, build some strength with those uh, forearm musculature uh, muscles um, uh, at those lower percentages so that they can keep up. And yeah. then what we would really recommend is starting off and maintaining a double overhand grip, not mixing your grip for as long as you possibly can until grip strength really becomes an issue at these higher percentages. And then we'd recommend mixing the grip where you flip one hand over and then you can do so every single set, just switch them back and forth um, and do it that way. Yeah. So I was going to touch on that as well. So yeah. when... I would say one thing for programming too is try to program in, like we usually recommend for deadlifts if you're training for a max effort deadlift to reset every time at the bottom. Mm -hmm. But if your grip is a limiting factor, it might be a good idea to throw in sets of like continuous deadlifts or Romanian deadlifts True, where you're yeah. holding the bar the whole time yeah. um, at much lower weights, obviously, but that's going to tax your grip a little bit more um, and hopefully strengthen your grip a little bit more. So adding that in as an accessory lift, maybe doing Romanian deadlifts or even just doing more like touch and go deadlifts um, as opposed to resetting at the bottom. Yeah. And then with the mixed grip, I was going to add that um, we try to stay away from mixed grip in the majority of our training and then only go to it when we hit like those 85 plus percentages. Exactly. Um, yep. So even if like the only time I would say maybe that there's an exception is if you are competing in a powerlifting meet and you want to get proficient at your mixed grip because you know you're going to compete in that Yeah. because then you want to make sure that you're really comfortable and strong in the grip that you're going to be using um, and you want to repeat that over and over again. But if you're just doing it for, you know, personal development and just trying to see what you can do with your deadlift i would wait to do that mixed grip until you're really hitting close to maximal weights yeah and there's there's a few reasons for, for that uh number one keeping a double overhand grip for longer like we just mentioned just increases your overall grip strength so the longer you can hold that off the longer you can develop your grip strength uh through that means just alone just by deadlifting um, and then a couple of other reasons is when you flip one hand over you do slightly expose that one arm um, to possible just like bicep stress. And mm. we just definitely don't want that to be overexposed unless we really um, are pushing towards those higher ends. Uh, so we don't want to practice it too much. And then the third reason is by flipping that palm open, you do give yourself a little bit of this sort of like twisting torsion effect. And you end up rotating slightly more towards that side because by flipping the hand under, that basically shortens your arm slightly by you know a centimeter, a couple millimeters or whatever. But that's just enough to give you slight torsion, and uh, you know we don't want to jump to that too early, uh, too soon. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, those are our recommendations. Awesome. All right. Next one comes from Kay Smitty, and she said, "I have winging scaps, and while they don't cause me too many issues, I know my lack of shoulder stability could be one of the reasons for my stiff neck muscles. Also, I just plain hate the look of winged scapula. <laughs> I'm familiar with the push-up plus exercise, and also the one where you stand facing a wall and use your forearms to roll a foam roller up the wall. Are either of these effective for the scap slash serratus anterior? And I'm also curious where you should be feeling the foam roller exercise, if at all, because." it feels pretty useless to me <laughs> <laughs> and that's a totally valid question because if you don't if you haven't had someone really coach you through that exercise it can feel very useless. definitely yeah. yeah so let's go I guess let's go to 
just addressing winging scapula and what that actually is in the first place. Yeah. So basically, um, you you may have seen this, you may have this, but basically, if you're looking at someone from the back and you're looking at their shoulder blades, ideally, their shoulder blades just rest uh, basically um, totally flat on the person's upper back. Um, winging scapula, what that is, is at rest, their, their shoulder blade, like the inside portion, is lifting up almost like their wings, which is why they're called winging scapula. Um, and when they're in that position, they're in just a less leverage and less optimal position to stabilize your shoulder blade um, and stabilize during pressing movements and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, and then the other thing is, like she said, it doesn't like look the greatest either, I guess, yeah. from just an aesthetic standpoint. So that's winging scapula in a nutshell. Um, now, in the uh, initially, what people thought would help out with winging scapula is strengthening and using stability work with the serratus anterior and your serratus anterior are these like um, they're often called finger-like muscles right below your armpit um, you may have seen it before if uh, you know well that's there's kind of joy. <laughs> um, someone with their shirt off but basically right underneath their armpit there might be some finger-like muscles that is your serratus anterior and now serratus anterior has a couple different functions. Number one is protraction of the shoulder blade, which means it helps to glide your shoulder blades forward. But not only that, it also helps with upward rotation of the shoulder. So while you're pressing overhead, it helps to rotate that shoulder overhead. And so initially what people used to do just for uh, winging scapula is just to work on that protraction part. But the reason we would like that exercise that um, she mentioned, that foam roll exercise, is because it also involves um, upward rotation along with that protraction. So we used to like the push-up plus alone, but now we like to combine it with some sort of upward rotation. So now we do a push-up plus, and then we go into a downward dog type of movement. So we protract, and then we upwardly rotate by pushing into the floor and sending our hips back. With that foam roller uh, wall drill, what you want to do is make sure that you're leaning um, slightly further away from the wall so that you can lean slightly forward into the wall and really push against that foam roller. And that helps to create that protraction effect as you're gliding your arms up against the wall. The big thing that you want to keep in mind is as you're gliding your arms up against the wall, you want your forearms to be parallel to each other. If they start to, if the elbows start to wing out, then you end up getting into more of an internal rotation of the shoulder, and, and that's not what we want as we go overhead. We want a little bit more external rotation. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is you wanna get upward rotation along with the protraction. So if you're not feeling really anything with the foam roller, it probably means that you're just too vertical and too parallel with the wall, so there's no load, and you're not actively pressing into the roller to get that protraction in the first place. Yeah. Definitely. The, the, for those of you listening who don't know what that exercise is, basically you're standing, like you're facing a wall, yeah. you have a foam roller that is um, parallel to the floor. So it's like the long way and you're pushing your forearms into the foam roller and then slowly raising your arms up toward the ceiling while continuing to push into the foam roller and the foam roller just kind of like rolls up the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if you're just standing completely upright and doing that and you're not actively pushing into the roller, it's going to feel totally useless. It's just going to feel like you're raising your arms up and down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have to get yourself back away from the wall a little bit, lean in toward the wall so that you almost have to push into the roller to resist just kind of like falling forward. Yeah, yeah, pretend you're trying to make like an indent in the roller as you're pushing it up. Yeah. And you should actually feel some stuff right below that armpit area, 
um, and also across your upper back. Um, you do really want to see your shoulder blades spread apart as you protract them and as you raise your arms overhead. And then also when you raise your arms overhead, um, you don't have to go fully overhead. So you don't have to go like treat it like an overhead press, but just go as far as you can until your elbows really want to push out to the sides and wing out and then just stop right there and bring them right back down. But um, I'm glad you clarified that because I didn't really explain that well. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, all good. Um, um, I also just one thing to note about winging scapula is that it became this like big deal for a little while yeah, and it, there was kind of like a lot of fear around it. Like, oh, if you have winging scapula, like you shouldn't go overhead and yeah. all this stuff. And like I have winging scapula and it's not super like I've worked on it and I've, it's gotten a little bit better, but I do have like a little bit of winging and I have no shoulder pain going overhead yeah. or anything like that. Um, you can actually do handstands very well. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I mean, to an extent, like if you have it, it's good to work on these things because it doesn't like these things aren't going to hurt, right? Like yeah. these exercises are just, they're accessory things that are just going to help you get a little bit more functional and, and it's good for you, but don't worry too much about, um, if you have this, like all of a sudden you're don't be like, oh my God, I can't do all yeah, these things. It's not right? like you're plagued with this horrible like dysfunction. It's just, yeah. yeah, just something that could be optimized and something to worth adding into your training if you do happen to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last piece is, you know, this, that, you know, what we just talked about was from more of an isolation standpoint, like just specifically talking about serratus interior. Um, you do also want to make sure that you're doing things well from a core standpoint. You want to make sure that you're breathing well. And then you also want to make sure that you're incorporating some sort of T-spine mobility, both in flexion as well as extension. So it's just, it, it always comes back to how can we integrate it overall in terms of a total body approach rather than just singling out one muscle group because it, that muscle group didn't happen to become less uh, efficient and engaging for no reason. There, there, it happened because of a chain of events. So you want to make sure that you address things as a whole instead of just focusing solely on one muscle group. Yeah. Cool. Good point. Awesome. All right. And then third question is kind of two questions um, from one person. So we'll answer both. It's from Mart, Mart, Jess. <laughs> Mart, Jess, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Mart, Jess. Yeah. Cool. Um, I have two questions for the podcast. One, how to train around repeat injuries. I've got a couple of weak spots, shin splints, irritated bicep, tendon, etc., that flare up after a couple of weeks of training. In the past, I'd pause my training, but then lose, pro lose progression, momentum, and motivation. Uh, the second question is, what is your opinion on EMS training? So let's answer the first question yeah. first. So repeat injuries and how to work around them. Okay. So I have some experience with this. Um, I've got some uh, e highly irritable knees, I'll say. Um, I've got something called tendinosis, which is um, basically when tendinitis is left untreated and you continuously push through the pain and you actually cause some tendon damage. And that's what I did um, when I was like 22 or 23. <laughs> I did some like aggressive plyometrics and jumping drills and I did that every day and basically I, I got some like you know warning signs with getting some knee pain and then I just continued to do plyometric training because I wanted to get better at football and football also made it worse so you know <laughs> long story short I continuously just barked up the wrong tree and and now it's a it's a it's a thing that can pop up really quickly if I don't monitor my volume of her really and if I don't uh, just make sure I choose my exercises correctly and so um, you know, something that I try to do is I, I don't shy away from pain at this point because it is more of like this thing that I'm, I think probably chronically I'm going to deal with. Um, but I make sure that it's within like on a scale of one to 10, somewhere in like the two or three zone. 
And if I'm in that zone, then I know that I'm challenging it, um, but without going you know, across the line and really aggravating it. Um, that's, that's my basic approach with it. And then what I try to do is I limit my volume with it. So instead of doing three days a week of lower body where I really target um, exercises that could affect my knee, I might do one or maybe two if I feel pretty good with it. But always just basically, you, you don't want to just totally negate your training training altogether. If you have a little bit of a flare up, you want to make sure that you can just, just be like, okay, I, all I need to do is dial it back down the next couple days. Yeah. I mean, and it's important to just recognize which exercises help like flare these things up. Yeah. And then like Jason said, you don't have to eliminate them from your training, but just maybe start to adjust the volume or start to adjust the, like how often you do those exercises, just because if you keep doing them at a high volume and, and you keep getting injured, obviously it's just going to get frustrating. Yeah, that's um, true. Actually. Yeah. So like, so for me, uh, I know like, let's say like, so let's take the whole spectrum. So on one end of the spectrum, lunges and single leg squats, those exercises tend to flare it up the most. In the middle of the spectrum, deep squats tend to be okay most days. And then on the complete other side of the spectrum where there's no pain are like deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, hamstring curls and stuff like that. And so basically what I try to do is hover towards um, areas like lunges and deep squats um, that do target the knee and you know emphasize my quads and stuff like that but if I ever feel too much of a flare-up or too much um, you know impact on that knee then I'll slide back more towards those hip dominant deadlifts and Romanian deadlifts um, hamstring curls stuff like that and it's just a sliding scale that I constantly manipulate and adjust and you know some weeks it's really not great and some weeks it's totally fine and it's just important to be flexible with your training and know what stuff works really well for you, what stuff doesn't work really well for you, like Lauren just talked about. Yeah, I think that flexibility in your training is the big thing because what she said was she'll end up, she'll have a flare up and she'll end up pausing her training completely and then lose progress and lose momentum, lose yeah. motivation. And so instead of saying like, well, now I have a flare up and I'm just going to stop training because... I'm hurt. Yeah. Instead, you can say, okay, I've had a flare up. These are the two exercises or three exercises that really caused that and really continue to cause me pain. I'm just going to take those out for now, but I'm going to keep doing everything else that was in my program. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to replace those things with, so say it's, um, it's the shin splints that are bothering her. I'm going to replace them. Like if it was a running drill or something like a high intensity interval training that she was trying to do, like instead of doing that, maybe I'll hop on a, a bike and do like bike sprints totally, instead yeah. of doing my sprint, like running sprints. Um, so just replacing it with something that's going to be less aggravating on that area, but not giving up completely because when you do, as she knows, she said, like, it's so easy to just lose motivation and just be like, well, I might as well just not go in because I'm hurt. And yeah. that's, you know, that's much worse than replacing an exercise with something that you might see, feel like is a little less effective, but it's still something. Yeah. Um, and actually she mentioned an irritated biceps tendon as well. So if we go along a similar example, like I talked about, let's say we're going on that spectrum again, on one end of the spectrum, like bicep curls, pull up variations, that might be a little bit more on the potentially like precarious side of things. Whereas in the middle, like a row might be totally fine most days. And then finally on the complete other side of the spectrum where your arm is straight, maybe it's like a straight arm plank, maybe it's other like pressing variations, maybe it's a, uh, uh, other straight arm work basically 
Um, and so basically you can use that as your sliding scale. Like some days you can try to strive for pull-ups and bicep curls and other days you might need to stick with rows and other days you might need to keep that elbow locked out so you don't place any strain on that biceps tendon. So just trying to treat it as a sliding scale and being flexible and it's easy to get frustrated, but I think if you give yourself these options, now it's less of, I need to stop completely. And now it's more of a, I can just reshift my focus this day. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. cool. And then the last part was, um, the second part of her question was, what are our thoughts on EMS training? Um, and so we, we actually weren't sure what this was. We did yeah. a little bit of research. So it's it stands for electrical muscle stimulation. Um, that's yeah. what EMS stands for. Apparently, it started this trend started in London from in the London. article that I read, and it's making its way to the U.S. The Brits. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I've heard of that like just electrical stim in general in terms of like rehab for purposes. Like, yeah, I've had it for PT and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And you know, I think there is some merit in terms of like if a muscle is dampened for whatever reason and it needs a little bit of uh, stimulation, I guess, to <laughs> encourage it to fire more appropriately and more optimally, um, then I think it makes sense from like a physical therapy standpoint. Like there's a clear you know, they've clearly marked that this muscle group specifically has been less efficient and they need to stimulate it somehow and facilitate it. Um, as far as fitness goes, you know, this is like, this is probably just way down the line in terms of overall utility, right? right. Like there, there's just so many other steps to go before you get to this point. Like maybe elite athletes after, you know, training multiple times a day and getting their nutrition on point and sleeping well and recovering well and taking ice baths and Epsom salt baths and meditating and stretching and doing mobility work. Like this is just so far down the line that I think, um, you know, I, I won't, I'm not going to say that it's not useful. I just don't know if it's useful for everyone currently. Yeah, I think that's exactly the point I was going to make is that there's just any time that something comes out. And so what this is, is you basically have to put on like a suit that yeah. like has electrodes like <laughs> you know put it like on certain muscles so that when you're doing like if it's on your glute and you're doing a lunge it's gonna like make your glute fire more and you're yeah. gonna feel it more um which is like like jason said like maybe there is some use to that if you've already been putting in all the steps before it but if you just start using this right away i i just think that it's not like you haven't given your body the time to actually figure out how to fire these muscles on its own and yeah. like and so why try to do it from a machine when your body is meant to move <laughs> naturally it's not it doesn't need help from any devices unless you've had an injury or unless like a muscle like i could see it being really great in the future for you know who knows people with ms or like something like who yeah, knows if yeah. those are some th some ways that we could actually help populations that are having difficulty firing certain muscles but if you're a you know a perfectly healthy individual who doesn't have any issues with mu muscle stimulation and you're just trying to like gain this little extra bit of muscle um we would say use progressive overload <laughs> use yeah. like you know training the methodologies instead of trying to go to these um outside factors yeah i think you know this is where fitness marketers like come into play and they like tout these things as like basically the reason why workouts have been stalling or lagging for people mm. um and they're like for a low price of 999 dollars, you can get this electrical stim suit and that is <laughs> a stim suit and it's going to solve all your problems 
and anything that seems like this flashy or this shiny is usually like you know it's not that there isn't any merit to it um, it's usually just a, not going to overhaul anything really yeah yeah um, you know I think another thing that has popped up recently is a uh, blood flow restriction um, and these are like these it's almost like having a blood pressure cuff that's really tight that you can pump it up and get it tighter and tighter and you put it around your arms you put it around your thighs and basically you do like high repetition bicep curls or high repetition leg extensions and it builds a tremendous amount of blood in that area and it's supposed to build hypertrophy and it's supposed to have some sort of like healing properties um, after you release the blood cuff but you know it's just like okay you, there might be some merit down the line but we just want people training three to four times a week consistently and eating like <laughs> relatively well and sleeping well and managing their stress well like there's just so much stuff down the line first before jumping to these like shiny objects yeah i mean it's just it's very similar with nutrition to like supplementation mm -hmm. so when people are always talking about like what's the best supplement so that i should take and like if i want to if i want to lose weight what supplement should i take and if i want to gain muscle what supplement should i take and we're always like well what are you eating yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what is going to actually help you with these things and like the supplements might come way down the road when you're trying to gain that one last pound of muscle or lose that one pound of fat but it, those are not going to be the things that actually get you to where you're trying to get to. And I think this is just the same thing only in a physical fitness stance. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, those are all the answers that we have to your burning questions for today. Thank you so much for submitting them. And if you have any questions of your own, you can DM us at Achieve Fitness Boston. You can always comment on one of our posts and we sometimes pull questions from there. And if you like the podcast and you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on iTunes, we'd be super, super grateful for that. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.